We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we record from today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. I also pay my respects to the elders past and present. I extend that respect to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Meet the Source, a new podcast from CAPI where hosts Emma Evans and Thurman Wise get to the source of our daily rituals, speaking with entrepreneurs that are changing the face of our day to day. From making our bed to a glass of wine and everything in between, we give you a peek into the leaders making our daily rituals serve us better, support our communities and bring positive change to our surroundings. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very exciting season finale, almost kind of sort of, episode eight of The Source Podcast. Of course, as always, I'm your host, Thurman Wise, with the amazing Emma Evans. And today we have a very special guest, uh, radio presenter, incredible DJ, Ed Fisher, joining us shortly, where we'll be chatting all about music to cook to you, or just kind of the ritual of making a playlist, choosing the music, being an at-home DJ, pool party DJ, whatever kind of DJ you want to be. Emma, I'm not sure what type of DJ you are. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I kind of bounce around my playlists and sometimes I wonder if like, you know, when you play music really loud in your car, if people can like hear it. They can. They can. They can and they do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would be interesting sometimes with the music that I play. But how are you feeling that we've done eight episodes? We've done a season. It's coming to an end. How are you feeling about it? Did you enjoy the process? Yes. I enjoyed the process. I have to say, I thought I was going to hate it mm-hmm. to start. Why? Well, not hate it, but... That's not very I nice. Just, no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> I just get so nervous. Yeah. For those of you who are listening... If we showed the bloopers, like that would be a whole yeah, other thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So listeners, you only get the edited version of this podcast. So typically the first few episodes, it took me about 15 to 20 minutes... To do the introduction. To work up the courage to do the intro. But now I'm a seasoned pro. You know, I can do it in five minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been like, not only has it been fun, it's been really inspiring. And I feel, you know, honored that we get to to talk to everyone and get so much of their time and that they're willing to share. But I am excited for season two because now we're on a roll. This is real. Keep going. We are on a roll. And I think like, well... Just one quick one. So if you are listening and you really, really want us to speak to somebody in particular for season two, you can either send us an email. Mine emails, actually just send it to me, thurman.wise at cappy.com.au. I'll let you figure out how to spell it. That's the test. <laughs> um, but if you have anybody or send a comment on one of the podcast areas that you listen to, but let us know who you'd like to, like to chat with next. But yeah, super excited. But I think too, Emma, just with this episode, it's been so amazing to, I think, get to know people in a conversational way or, you know, like break down some of those maybe preconceived notions that we had about people or mm-hmm. just get to hear what real life is like for for our guest, which was really interesting, you know, from like Nick wanting to do Pilates to Vic's green tea matcha 
there was just like so many interesting things that I, you know, didn't know previously. Yeah. We, we put people on a pedestal or we, you know, have our narrative about them from our interaction with them on social media, their website, or if we've met them before, but I just loved the normalization of everybody's daily lives and daily struggles and what, what inspires them and what gets them through. So hopefully that really resonated with everybody that was listening because yeah, we didn't want this podcast to be perfect or refined or scripted. We wanted it to be casual and like you were just listening to a really great, interesting conversation as if you'd just met someone and you wanted to hear their story. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you haven't, that's okay too. So if you haven't, you know, thanks for listening anyway. Exactly. (laughs) And so before we jump in to our great chat with Ed, we were going to just end the season with episode eight. But we will be doing a recap episode in a couple weeks where Emmett and I just kind of go through the greatest hits, some of our favorite moments. So be on the lookout for that. And with that said, without further ado, that's what they say, right, Emma? Further ado? Um, Is that it? I, yeah, I think so. Let's go. Let's go with it. Without further ado, next up is our chat with Ed Fisher. As I said before, music professional, DJ, radio presenter all things creative in my book. And today we'll be discussing the daily ritual of music to cook to, or really just kind of the idea of curating a soundtrack or a playlist to some special moment in your day. So Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. We are so excited to really kind of talk about, I think, the space of music. It's something that I kind of find it's one of those things where it's so in our lives, sometimes we don't take notice to the effect or power that it has on our day or on our night or on our weekend. But before we jump into that, Ed, for our listeners that might not know so much about you, would you mind giving a little short history on who you are and how you got into music? Sure. I got into music when I was quite young. I was in high school and I, the first instrument I really connected with was the trumpet and i started playing in high school and luckily it had a really great music program and some great teachers so after a while i was introduced to the music of miles davis by my teacher and i became really obsessed with this one record and it was called kind of blue it's a very very famous jazz record and i guess it just spiraled from there i would became more and more interested in the music and got more and more involved in the uh, the school program and then started playing outside of school in bands professionally when I was about 15, playing in a, I had a quartet. We used to play at the Crown Casino in a cigar bar when you could still smoke cigars indoors. At, fif- at 15? Yeah, at 15, yeah. And then started playing residencies at Revolver Nightclub and (laughs) Evelyn and Seven Nightclub. And then, yeah, uh, the high school side of things was still going. And then I went to music school and did a degree in jazz and jazz composition over in Perth in WA, a school called the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts or WAPA. And... I then had a really traumatic experience there, I guess. It was, wasn't was a quick thing. It was over the course of two years, I decided that I wasn't quite happy with the way that my embouchure was uh, whilst I was playing. So 
I, over the two years, kept trying to, to fix it and found that I wasn't able to. So I, I studied composition, not performance, in my final year. And then the last time I ever played in public was at my graduation recital on uh, the end of my degree and kind of went down a different path and went to America, did an internship at a recording studio in Los Angeles. And then my friend said he was starting a nightclub whilst I was over there. And he said, do you want to come and be the music programmer and booker? So I came back to Australia, moved into a house with him, a share house, and then worked together on this nightclub. And he said, Ed, you should DJ. It's easy. You're a musician. You'll pick it up in a, in a second. <laughs> Turns out it's not that easy. <laughs> so yeah, then, then started DJing and uh, I guess it's ended up 12 years later here talking to you. Uh, started a radio show about 10 years ago and a party with some friends called Waxo Paradiso, which is a big part of what I do. And since then a record label as well. So I guess it's quite multifaceted what a lot of musicians do and especially what I've done in the last 12 years or more. It's so wild though, like to think about from a record to where you are now, the amount of time that that took and all the different levels of complexity to get you there. And you just made the most concise like version of that. Yeah. Like in, two, in two minutes, I was like, oh my God, I just saw the entire life like of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of, I felt like that. that's the short version. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the long version has yeah. quite a few stories in it. Yeah, it does. As, it's as got well. plenty, plenty and plenty. But yeah, DJing kind of happened, I guess, by accident because I, I didn't come to it via my own kind of spark or it, it literally was just a friend saying you should you should do it and try and earn some more money at the club by playing the opening sets and see if you like it. And then I really loved it. And I applied the same sort of rigor and practice that I had to my jazz studies into DJing. And for years I was just obsessive about it and was spending all of my money on vinyl and practicing really hard, taking the job really seriously. And then, yeah, it kind of, turned into something that's now, I guess, my main gig. I think that's so interesting. I mean, it's interesting about this podcast is there's all these professions that I've never really chatted to before or thought about and just like I feel like I understand and would think about someone studying music but then to think about how that leads you to being a DJ and the skills that you need and what you need to understand, mm. it's actually really fascinating. I didn't really realise how much it, it would help until I actually taught DJing. I, I did some workshops a few years ago and then I was discussing things that when I started DJing, I was just breezing over because I just assumed that it was it was assumed knowledge. But I was then going, oh, I had four years of tertiary education in music before I even tried to DJ. So things like pitch and rhythm and key centers or even just the ideas of more long form composition and stringing a set together, making a musical narrative. These things kind of made sense to me before I started. Whereas when I'm 
was teaching this class and I, I was trying to say, you know, oh, this song starts on beat three and people were going, what, what does that mean? You know? And I'm like, oh, so, you know, like one, two, three, four, you've got to kind of teach. So yeah, I guess it, that was maybe a quicker learning curve, but the nuanced style of, well, just DJing in general, I think a lot of people, and I used to be guilty of that because assume it's really easy a lot of people and and because I, I was at music school and especially in in jazz school they really drilled into you that DJing was uh really easy and wasn't really an art form and yeah not a valid expression or something maybe it's because when DJs came in a, a lot of musicians lost their jobs so but I quickly found out otherwise there's a lot to it <laughs> Well, it's kind of funny too. And it's um, on one of our previous episodes, we had Nick Tassar who works at Bar Liberty. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I think that there's certain things where it's like, if your job takes place at night in the evening, a lot of times people kind of think of it, oh, it's like a, it's a party thing. It's a fun, easy, you know, it's Mm -hmm. for some reason, there's like this lack of understanding on the professionalism of a career that may not fit into this nine to five box. And I think, I think things are shifting, but you know, it's, oh my gosh, like the thought of being behind a DJ booth in front of an audience, I would freak out. Like, it just seems like there's so much complexity to it. Yeah. I mean, sure. I guess someone could just have a playlist and play like a couple songs back to back and maybe like the untrained ear wouldn't know the difference. But like, even you said crafting a musical narrative. Yeah. I've talked about this a lot with other DJs about this weird kind of more esoteric side of, of DJing where you can play songs that you think people might know because you might be losing the dance floor and you might be going, oh, I'm, I'm going to try and win them back. But often if you're pandering to them and you don't have a confidence behind what you're doing, that actually creates a worse environment and a worse vibe. So some of the best sets might be ones that are actually the most challenging for the listener. But if you have this creative spark and if you're in that state of presence and, and flow, then people actually recognize that and really connect with it. And that's when you can take people on this journey and create these really special moments. So there is definitely a side of DJing, just like there's a side of any art form, which isn't that intellectual, I guess, but you really can get quite deep with it and you really can take people on journeys that they would never expect to have gone on and challenge them and challenge the the way they listen to music and the context that they listen to music. And that's, I guess, what I hang on to as, as validating myself for this art because I did question it a lot. And I think when, if you're playing to people like I did on the weekend at 3 a.m., and they may have all consumed or many of them consumed substances because there's an inextricable link between recreational drug use and, and DJ culture, I guess, and electronic music. Is that something that is a valid expression and is it, you know, creating beauty in the world or is it creating harm? Are you leading people into a dangerous situation or are you leading them into a, into a beautiful situation? So... Yeah, it is, I guess, quite complex to frame it in my head. Wow. That's like a heavy way to... Th- I mean, that's, I mean, again, back to the thing. Music is something so in our lives that think of the level on that side of... Like you said, like it's 3 a.m. And what is the effect of the music having 
in this space on these people's lives. And then sometimes you sit and we joke about elevator music or like hold music, you know, it's like, oh, this like music, it's this filler of space. But yet, you know, people fall in love to music, you know, like mm. at a wedding, there's always the first dance, yeah. which is this song that has been chosen by two people to celebrate their love. And it's interesting how a topic can go from one side to be so simple and filler to being like so deep and powerful. Yeah. On that note, I really love the variety of work that I get to do and the different situations that I'm placed in because I've DJed a lot in bars and restaurants and places where music is secondary to whatever the primary experience is, whether that's food or a gallery exhibition or any anything else, just where, where the music isn't the main focus. So what is then a week in the life of you. I mean, other than me being tempted to ask you what your sleep schedule is based on your 3 a.m. <laughs> performance, <laughs> which is how I felt with Nick as well. I was like, wow. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you manage the flow? I guess uh, at the moment I'm DJing about five nights a week, but they're all quite varied apart from two. I do a residency on a Wednesday night at a bar in the city and I do one on a Thursday afternoon at a bar in the city. Then I do a radio show on Friday afternoons every week, Tomorrowland on PBS 106.7 FM. So those are the three anchor points of my week currently. And then everything else is quite fluid. I try to force myself to have a rest day on Mondays. So that's a calendar day, which I don't accept bookings regularly and try to use it as a day for me. So if I want to open the computer and send emails, I can, but if I don't, I won't feel guilty about not doing that on that day. Otherwise I find that you just never really switch off. Mm -hmm. So I have scheduled a day of rest. And then the weekends are generally quite varied. I was playing at a festival on the weekend called Pitch Music Festival, and it was a late set. So that is quite taxing on the body doing the same thing again this weekend, actually, on Friday night, another festival called Hopkins Creek and another closing set, so 3 till 5 a.m., and then waking up and driving to a friend's wedding where I'm DJing. So that's going to be a pretty brutal transition, actually, and not much sleep. I guess the key for me is during the week trying to find the routine that keeps you in a groove and keeps you on track. So for me, that involves not drinking alcohol during the week, going to the gym as many days as I can, you know, three or four days a week during the week, making sure my sleeping patterns stabilize during the week. And if I do all those things, then the weekends activities are actually much easier and it's much easier to recover after that as well. It's really cool though. I think like a friend of mine, she's in abandoned Berlin and she's kind of just recently started this kind of kind of career in music. And I think, you know, in my head, like music DJs, it's like, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? It's like, it's like this like eternal, eternal party. And having chats with her about like the effect that it has on your body. And so, you know, she's telling me about like, she needs to be more fit. She needs to work out more. She needs to make sure that she takes the time to like heal her body, like going on tour, going on, you know, driving to a gig, standing up on your feet for hours. Like it takes such a crazy toll. And when, when I guess like when I think of like the DJ up there, I'm like, 
I wonder how much he benches or like, I wonder how much, like how many, <laughs> how many squats can he do? Cause you know, but you're just like, he probably just can do this all the time, but it's like, it's really incredible. Like you need to be in such good shape. I imagine. Yeah. I definitely, it helps so much. It helps so, 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 so much to, to be in some sort of physical shape. And I guess you kind of just, it's like doing shift work. If you're a cop or a nurse or something, you know, you just kind of have to flip your body clock occasionally and that you kind of get used to but i've been a resident dj at revolver for many years and my set time for the last three or four years pre-covid was three to five a.m and people would always say to me you know oh my god that's so late how do you do it but i would go to bed and people were always shocked when i told them that i would say my saturday night when i'm playing at revolver usually looks like dinner and then bed by 10 or 11 p.m. and then three hours or four hours sleep and then I wake up to play the set and get to the club a little bit drowsy maybe but as soon as you start playing it it, it all goes away and it's fine but uh oh what's it like being at revolver when you're sober at four o'clock in the morning you know but it kind of at that point does become a bit of a it's like going to work and I actually really enjoy DJing sober. So I know that there are many DJs that don't, that who might have performance anxiety or things like that. And so, yeah, for me, it's not an issue, but there are ways you can get around it. And I think a lot of people learn the hard way when you start DJing and touring, you quickly realize that you can't maintain a pace unless you take care of your body and your health. It starts taking all sorts of tolls. So, yeah sleep and nutrition and exercise take yourself to the sauna have a steam one one <laughs> listen sauna forever yeah always no but i guess i mean honestly like for everything right like whoever's listening to this whether you're a dj whether you work at a bar or restaurant or you work in an office good nutrition take a break on drinking sometimes sauna mm-hmm. as much as possible mm-hmm. steam as much as possible Yep. And a bit of fitness. Yep. hundred percent. It's no different. I guess maybe people look at what you were saying before at nighttime activities. It's kind of weird to have a job where it's normalized to be drinking whilst you're doing it. So I guess that's why it kind of seems like it would be a, a party the whole time, but you don't have to. And I choose not to often. Yeah. That's great. It is. It's really refreshing that all the different industries come back to so many similar things of taking a moment, taking a pause, prioritizing yourself, regardless of what industry. I guess I guess it's the thing of if you feel terrible. Yeah, no, hundred You're gonna you're gonna create terrible. Yeah, work and right. To, yeah, to be of service to others, you need to feel really fulfilled and happy yourself. I feel like we need to get Ed's opinion at some point though on our office playlist. There's a lot of variation there. There's a lot of debate that goes on. Thurman is quite into his music and I can definitely tell when he has taken over the the playlist. We also have one one of my colleagues, I'm not gonna name her name, <laughs> but she puts on she has a spa music playlist. Amazing. So you so you would think that you hear it maybe on repeat here and there. I think a little bit too chill maybe for the office environment or yeah, but it's like, it's, yeah, it's that playlist where it's like... You're in the waiting room, kind of? Yeah, no, it'll be like, it'll be like a Chinese orchestra plays 
the soundtrack from Titanic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's I was like gonna that, say, like, I love ambient music and really chill stuff. That's a lot of my home listening is that. And that gets, I guess, reflected a lot on my radio show as well. I usually start the show with some really maybe even beatless ambient or down-tempo music. But everyone likes different stuff. It's weird. Some people want to hear techno whilst they're working and they get really into it, you know, whilst they're typing away. I, I can't really <laughs> work to music much at all. Right. When I'm writing or emailing or, you know, th things like that, doing budgets for parties, if I am listening to something, it has to be quite soft and I often don't. Um, it really distracts me. So I guess it's uh, every, everyone's different in that regard, but with their listening habits and, and what they think is appropriate for a particular space or time or, or environment. So I guess you gotta, you gotta give. I think we just rotate, don't we? We just rotate. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a question for you, Ed, and this is just a, it's a theory that I have and maybe you can shed some light on it. But I've noticed in my life that there's possibly a correlation between people that have maybe a certain taste of music and they like to play it really, really loud at terrible times. It's like, you know, it's like you'll be at the, you'll be at this beautiful beach and someone will be playing like Britney Spears toxic at like full blast <laughs> or like my downstairs neighbor at my apartment oh my, he'll be playing like Eminem, like some crazy Eminem song at like 3.30 in the morning, just full blast. And it's always like, I'm like, I don't want to hear that. However, there was one day, I'll never forget, someone was playing like the blood orange, like just playing all blood orange all night, super loud. And I was like, for the first time ever, I wanted to go like, turn it up, please yeah. turn up the music. <laughs> That's funny. Hearing somebody playing Toxic on a beach or Eminem <laughs> actually sounds like quite normal behavior to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like that's what people like. And, yeah. But like you said, it's different taste. They, they, they love it. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. I remember one time I was at a beach in Sydney and we were playing this mix on a Yui boom and it was really uh, a really beautiful mix by a Sydney DJ named Lauren Hansom. And it starts with library music, like orchestral UK kind of funky library music. And it's really chill, jazzy, down-tempo mix. And at some point somebody came up to us and I was expecting them to be like, what is this? Can you turn it off or like play something more fun? And just based on the way that of their appearance and they were like, what is this incredible mix of music? Can I, where, where do I find it? How do I get it? You know, you, you really <laughs> just can't tell what, what people are going to be into. And some people, I guess, really dress a certain way and you, but I, I'm constantly surprised at people's listening habits and you can never underestimate some of the most beautiful and incredible music that I've found has not been from other DJs or music professionals. It's just been from an Uber driver or uh, a friend who, you know, you assumed didn't know anything about music. Or, so, yeah, it's, I guess you can find a, incredible music and inspiration from almost anywhere and anyone. Do you remember that time, Thurman, that we were in Sydney for work and we got an Uber and you know those times, they're very rare, you get an Uber and it's like a full Mercedes van and there's just two of you, but it's like one of those really beautiful like big oh. seaters. And the, the drive was probably about half an hour and he just played Mariah Carey the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. 
it was just banger after banger and you were just like like just feeling it you know and but it was like this guy was like yeah but it's like again he was like middle-aged like i would not have guessed him to be the guy with the mariah carey cd yeah she's got pipes yeah Today's episode is brought to you by Provador. Provador delivers finished at-home meals from some of Australia's best restaurants. All meals are chef-prepared, restaurant-quality, and delivered directly to your door. Simply heat, plate, and enjoy. But I mean, that must be like an interesting moment, I guess, because, you know, with your radio show, with DJing, that you must turn so many people on to incredible musical ex- like experiences. And I mean, is that something that I guess, do you find that is one of the more rewarding pieces of what you do, like really kind of getting people engaged and opening up a new world of music or what in your profession brings you kind of the most joy? You nailed it with that. I'm always astounded that people listen to my radio show. It's a community radio station and you forget that there are thousands and thousands of people that listen to community radio in Melbourne. We've got an incredible thriving scene here. Triple R and PBS are the two largest community stations in Australia and they're both in Melbourne. So hearing sometimes people will come up to me two years after a show and I'll be at a music festival and they'll come up in the crowd and say, hey, are you Ed? I listened to your radio show. Do you remember that time two (laughs) years ago when you played this track? I had just come out of the surf on you know, down at Bell's Beach and I had the best day of my life and then I hopped in the car and the sun was glistening over the Great Ocean Road and my girlfriend was sitting next to me and the stereo was turned up loud and it was one of the best moments of my life. And, you know, I was soundtracking that moment from a studio in Collingwood and I had no idea it was going on. And two years later, someone was, it it had affected them so profoundly that they had to tell me and they remembered, you know, that. And you said, I remember that day. Yep, totally. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, totally. That track, yep, got it. Yeah, it's one of the 10,000 songs that have been played. But it really is amazing and, and special. And one of the things that's so great about radio is that there is this live element to it, an interactive element. And people really feel that. It's really uh, just just the fact that it is happening in the moment and broadcast live and the fact that we have a text line so people can get in touch. So I can shout someone out or someone can text in and say, I've had some of the most random texts, you know, like, Hey, Ed, I'm, I'm in the wit Sundays uh, with a rod in the water and a beer in my hand. And I just caught a fish <laughs> and you're on the stereo, you know, or there's a guy that texted in from some rural, really rural area in Queensland and he's on a combine harvester doing the harvest. And, you know, I'm just imagining these vast paddocks of, of grain and guys sitting on this harvester with PBS in his headphones, you know, listening, cruising down. So there's, it can really transport you whilst you're broadcasting and, and hearing those, those stories whilst you're playing is really special because it gives you context because Otherwise, you're just sitting in a room by yourself talking into a microphone, wondering what's going on out, out there in the real world. It's so insane to actually think of like, if at any given time you could have like 10 little cameras of like where people are listening to, you know, you've got someone in the field, you've got someone at the beach, you've got like 
who knows what. Yeah, it's amazing to think about the interactions that you're having at potentially, you know, thousands at a time, tens of thousands at a time. Yeah, with different people in different situations. So, yeah, it's a really fun job. And it's so cool though too, like I guess like you mentioned the word about like community, you know, and especially with you said like the public radio here, it's like it's such an incredible community with such talented people. And then you've got the listeners that are engaging. And I think it's like, you know, I think the more and more that we have these discussions, like community is to some degree everything, you know, it's like a strong community can support each other. A strong community can create more art. And it's, you know, I think it's like, is it the PBS thing where without listeners like you, like they don't, we don't exist or that's not, that's not the tagline. I don't think exactly, but it's not, I think the tagline for PBS is the home of little heard music. And it actually starts for progressive broadcasting services, but Yeah, community is everything. And there's no secret, in my opinion, why there is such an incredible music scene and community in Melbourne. And that's because there is an incredible community radio scene. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure PBS's listenership is over 300,000 people a month or more. And Triple R is maybe even higher than that. So it's a large percentage of the population that's engaged with hyper-local content. So it's such a privilege and honor to actually be able to present local music and artists to the listeners and to see just how much they they loved. I play so much local music on on the show and it's world-class and it's amazing and seeing people really engage with that is really special. And it does create this amazing community of listeners and people that will end up going to shows and supporting the artists and buying their records on Bandcamp and things like that. So, yeah. Well, then it's even like, you know, and then they're going to a local venue or bar and they're spending money there. And, you know, it's just like from that space of listening to a song, finding an artist, going to support them, whether it be digitally or in person, it's like the economy that it even creates is so wonderful. And our, I mean, our cities need it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, look what's come out of COVID, like just live music being open and being able to like the amount of jobs it creates. My goodness. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And then how do you, I guess, keep, keep things moving along? Like obviously can't just play the same thing every week in a very literal format, but what kind of keeps you going? and, And is there, I would imagine a lot of prep work for your for your sessions, whether in the restaurant or on the radio? I'm lucky I have a radio show. That keeps me quite current. I definitely spend usually a day's work a week finding new music, online record stores or in person. And then I guess, like I said before, just taking inspiration from everywhere and anywhere. I'm screenshotting things all the time that I hear on on the you know social media or the internet or blogs so and then i get sent promos from labels mm-hmm. for my radio show so that's really cool because i often get exposed to music before it's released a label or an artist will send me the music to to play ahead of the release on air so that keeps fresh material coming across my desk every week 
and then just the constant search for what's inspiring you and your taste changes. So my tastes changed so much and you kind of go down these rabbit holes of different genres and styles and things that to your ear might have sounded lame two years ago might be sounding great now. So your ear adapts and changes and trying to focus on quality content is a big one because you do have to take care of your palate, so to speak. I use an analogy of music like junk food, uh, some you know high impact, very salty, very sweet. A lot of people will like it, but it might not have as much nuance or or feeling or emotive elements. So if you constantly go down that path, you might actually forget or ruin your palate to not be as refined as it was. So trying to find honesty in music and honesty in expression, which sometimes I find that music that is created for a specific time and place sometimes or, or purpose isn't as as honest as other music where the context is kind of ambiguous and it just feels like a more free form of expression. So sometimes DJing dance tracks that weren't intended to be dance tracks are more powerful than tracks that were written for the club or vice versa. Yeah. And like with that in mind, I mean, I guess, as you said, the palette changes here and there. Like what are some of the things that you're really excited about musically at the moment, whether it be a genre or, or a couple artists that you just kind of can't get enough of? There's a many, many really great Australian artists that I'm, I'm loving at the moment. One of them's called Cousin from Sydney, and he did a live set at a festival over New Year's that I saw. It just absolutely blew me away. And his music's organic and percussive and dubby and just really unique, and he's got an incredible, incredible sound. There's uh, a label called Companion, which is run by two friends, Penny and Millie, and they themselves are both great DJs and tastemakers and radio presenters. And they just released an incredible record by a group called Acopia. And that's a super exciting local release. Another artist called Greville from Sydney, who makes this beautiful, sparse, ambient electronica. And I think his music's incredibly musical and deep and beautiful. There's a label called Planet Trip, also from Sydney, that's doing wonderful things. There's the artists OKEG, who we released on our label, Matt and Lauren. They're partners and they're also production partners in their music. Their music is really cerebral and exquisite and the record they made for us is down-tempo and really landscape-driven, beautiful music. There's so many. There's so, so many. Yeah. So there's like hard questions. Like I was talking to a friend yesterday about asking kind of those types of questions. It's like, he's like, yeah, it's like when someone says, what's your favorite movie? Mm. And you're like, can I do top 10? Can I do top 20? Yeah. I'm also heavily inspired by food. I really love the food and dining scene. And for some reason, what my DJ partner, Simon and I have done with Waxo Paradiso, it's, it's always somehow been tied to the food and wine scene. For a few years, we were co-hosting the largest natural wine tasting event in Melbourne called Sulphur Wine. And there are some chefs that really inspire me in their practice, Matt Stone and Joe Barrett, and their work with sustainability. And uh, Mark LeBroy from 
I think it's the Blue Ducks, the three Blue Ducks or something in Sydney. He's going on this whole subsistence hunting and gathering and foraging adventures and that that's really inspiring to me. So, yeah, it's not just music. And yeah, like on that, like that was going to be my next question is, I guess for our listeners, like what are some of the things that like that do inspire you? Like has there ever been one or two people possibly in your career that really shifted the dial? I know you said previously it was Miles Davis record, mm. but along your journey, like what other big inspirations have there been that kind of set you to to where you are? I guess I've found the most inspiration from goal setting, like playing at a certain event or a festival or breaking through a technical barrier in your craft. Those have been the things that have really kept me going. And also just having a strong community of people around you. I've been so lucky to have had a collaborative events that I've run with Simon and previously also with Andy. So Waxo Paradiso started with three people. It's now two, but I think we help each other navigate the future incredibly well. And we've support each other through the hard times and share the good times and it makes it a whole lot easier. So it's been nice. He's been a huge inspiration on me and a great moral compass and musical compass and yeah, Simon's been definitely a key figure in, in where I've, or how I've got here today. And I guess for me, at least, I know we're getting close to you needing to leave us for the, for the rest of the day. But what does the future have in store? What are some of the things that you're looking to do? Or what are some of the next goals that you might, might have in store if you feel, if you, you know, feel like sharing them? Share. Yeah. Yeah. We can't have everyone sign an NDA, so <laughs> you heard well, it. Yeah, we are really excited and proud about the record label that we created. That was something that came out of COVID, and the first release was received very well. And that was OKEG and a four-track EP called Intertidal Zone. We've now got three more releases that are ready to go. One of them's almost ready to go. There's two that are ready. So the label is something that we're both incredibly excited about. That's a way of giving back to the community and also sharing local music abroad. So Waxo Paradiso Recordings is, a, is definitely a big focus and a big shift for us. We also, through our biggest event ever as a collective in January, and that was really affirming and really lovely to see uh, the response to that event, we had 1,200 people dancing at the Abbotsford Convent. And it's like playing for your home crowd. You know, it's like a sports team doing their their home game. Our parties are always so fun for us to play because we feel like it's our, our audience. And um, so we'll be doing a lot more of that, I hope, in the future. And still ticking along with the radio show. Got a very fun interview this week one of my idols a brazilian musician called marcos vale so things just tend to keep happening there are some goals out there and some events and things that we want to do and try and tour more overseas in europe and asia but um for the moment i guess we've just been finding our feet post covid and just getting through five festivals in the last <laughs> you know Five festivals in seven weeks is is um is quite a lot on our plate right now. So 
Yeah. Well, good thing that you're keeping health healthy, healthy and happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing and all of that. I hope that anyone that listens to this episode makes sure to text Ed next time he's on the radio show. Especially if you're doing something interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Do something interesting. Be somewhere interesting. <laughs> no, it, actually, it doesn't matter. It's fun even if people, you know, say that they're just driving their car, you know, or, 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 or a truckie coming, you know, driving down the human highway or something, you know, it's, it's still, it's still a Don't a drive in text. We will encourage you. No, 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 no. Don't drive in text. <laughs> I'm going to text on Friday. I'm, I'm sitting at my desk alone. I'm sitting at my desk alone. Eat, typing, eat, typing emails. Eating lunch al desco with PBS and the stereo. And the ep- uh, your radio show on Fridays is at... 1pm. 1pm. 1pm to 3pm every Friday. 106.7? 106.7 FM PBS. That's it. Yes, I am. I'm a big fan of the, of PBS and Tomorrowland. And for all of our listeners, um, we will be sharing some more information on where you can listen to Ed, where you can find his parties so you can see him live and, and join the, the crew of dancing folk. And Ed, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I think it's been such a beautiful chat and I think we've learned a lot more about kind of, yeah, music and, and what it's like to to be behind the decks as I think mm-hmm. they say that. Maybe not. Maybe they do. I don't they know. They do. They do. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you both. I um, hope I didn't rant and ramble along too much. <laughs> just the right amount. Just the Just the perfect amount. Thank you so, so much for joining our eighth episode with the wonderful Ed Fisher. It was such a pleasure to dive into conversation with him. As we mentioned before, we were going to end with eight episodes, but we will be recording a bonus episode where Emma and I recap some of the greatest moments and hits from our previous eight episodes. Until then, have a beautiful day. Ciao. Bye.